Hey, thank you, Noah and Miranda. You guys did such a great job presenting the announcements. I am absolutely over the moon excited about this morning. I have one of my dearest friends and also someone who shares two little precious grandbabies with me. Um, She is my daughter's mother-in-law, and she has a story that is absolutely amazing. And we have been doing a series called Freedom, based on Isaiah 61. We've been talking about freedom from all kinds of different things. I have been looking forward to this particular teaching, this particular segment, since the very beginning. We were scheduled to do this one uh, the week that everything kind of broke out with the coronavirus in Utah. So we decided to put it on hold and just kind of let things kind of settle down. Well, now that we're kind of, this is kind of becoming our new normal, we decided that we wanted to present this this particular Sunday. And I, I hope that you are ready to be blown away by the faithfulness of the Lord. Um, this is called Freedom from Religion and Legalism. And I want to introduce to you my dear friend, Jenny Dutson. I want to tell you the very first time that I met her, uh, she came to church and she came up to me and she said, hi, my name is Jenny. I was raised FLDS and I'm wondering if this is a safe place to bring my friends and family. And I was like, I caught the part about your name is Jenny, then what? (laughs) And that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship, a beautiful relationship. She's one of my absolute favorite prayer partners, and she and I laugh together a lot. So I'm hoping that today we can just kind of share with you this story that you'll be encouraged and that you will be inspired. And for some of you, I hope that you'll even be set free from religion. So... um, I would, I've just asked Jenny if she would come and just share her story. I'm maybe asking her a couple of questions here and there, but I just, her story is so incredible that I think you are going to be just absolutely blown away and amazed. So please welcome my dear friend, Jenny Dutson. Jenny, please uh, share your story. Share the, the story of your life, I guess. Okay, um, I was born and raised FLDS. Um, FLDS is different than the LDS religion. The LDS religion um, believes in, in Joseph Smith, as does the FLDS. Um, however, the FLDS believes in polygamy, in plural marriage. Um, so that was the way that I was taught. Um, we, you know, I have a father and, a, and two mothers. Um, my dad was actually married to my second um, mom when I was about 12 years old. Um, I have had um, fantastic times and I've had not such fantastic times, um, but it really was just, there's, there's a lot that kind of goes into it. Um, do you have any specific questions? I have a question, um, just so, so to clarify a little bit. You were a little bit unique in that you were considered kind of um, FLDS royalty. So can you kind of explain a little bit about that? Yeah, my mom was actually the um, daughter of the prophet. Um, Roland Jeffs was my grandfather. Um, and the current prophet, Warren Jeffs, is actually my, um, my uncle. 
So you're Warren Jeff's niece. Yes. Yes. So my grandchildren have Warren Jeff's in their lineage. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. So what was it like as a child to grow up in the FLDS religion? Um, you know, we were raised, I was raised in a community where um, we all kind of lived together mm -hmm. and we had, you know, it was a beautiful piece of property up in Sandy, um, you know, gorgeous gardens. Um, we had, you know, it was a community. It really was like a fellowship. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like I said, there was a lot of good things, um, but there was also not a lot of good things. There mm -hmm. was a lot of um, trauma. There's a lot of um, abuse. Um, but this is not everybody's story. I just wanted to clarify, you know, right. the things that you might see on TV, those are not always the truth. You know, right. this was just... Um, Anyway, this is my story. Right. This is your story. And so we want to make sure that you understand that we are not, we are not against any people. Um, we are against systems that, that keep people in bondage and um, create a sense of legalism and religiosity. Um, can you just define what, what do you believe the term religion indicates what what separates religion from relationship well um you know being raised in a religion it's all about you know what a leader a specific um you know ideology like what a um a leader actually specifies mm -hmm. um you know a relationship is having a one-on-one -on -one, having um you know some like a <laughs> so do you feel when you were growing up, do you believe that you had a relationship with the Lord? No, I, um, I always wanted to, you know, make God happy. I always had that desire mm -hmm. to, um, you know, I wanted to see like, you know, with, with my, um, my parents, they were always just so passionate about what they believed. And I wanted that. I desperately mm -hmm. wanted to be like them. Mm -hmm. um, I just knew I could never be good enough. Mm, interesting. Now, going back, you said that um, there were a lot of rules. Can you, can you share some of the rules that maybe specifically applied to the FLDS religion? So... Um, they believe that the prophet is God's mouthpiece here on earth and that he is um, the ultimate authority and that honestly they believe that the earth would cease to spin without his priesthood here. Um, you know, it was so specific that um, women were not allowed to wear like the color red, um, dresses were long, um, dresses, skirts, we would have, you know, our our clothes would need to be down, you know, to our wrist and to our ankle. Um, garments, you know, full piece garments. And what, what do you mean by garments? So um, we believe that the garments were a sacred item of clothing to keep us protected. Like that kind of set us apart from the rest of the world. So these um, are undergarments. Yes, undergarments. Mm -hmm. So it was just um, one piece, you know, all the way down to the ankle or ankle and all the way to the wrist and mm -hmm. that was something that was very sacred mm -hmm. in our so beliefs. So what were some of the other rules? Um, you absolutely had to pay tithing. Obeying the prophet was non-negotiable. 
um, being able to, um, you know, there was no dating. There was always, you know, arranged marriages and there was not any freedom really to, there was no trying to decide like, what do I want to do for a career or a future? It was just um, the men obeyed the prophet and the women obeyed their husbands. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little more about um, the role of women in the FLDS religion? Um, yeah, women were, what was expected was that they were to bear children, to bring children into the world and um, support their husband, you know, as their husband followed the prophet. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, that was something that was just expected. There was not, um, there was no way to really know, mm-hmm. you know, what else. There was really nothing else, mm-hmm. you know. So... As far as your own personal story, uh, when did you start to maybe question things or when did you start to kind of sense that that the, the lifestyle that you were in was maybe not healthy or maybe not um, what it had been promised to be? Well, honestly, um, I really sensed there was something not quite right when I um, exposed some abuse and nothing became of it. This was physical sexual abuse? Yes, Mm -hmm. and um, I knew that there was nothing that could be done because those in authority, um, you know, and like I said, there's very, very, very good people um, with good, kind hearts, and there's some that absolutely abuse their power. Um, But this was something where I just started getting the sense that Something was not right, mm-hmm. and um, it was devastating. But I genuinely wanted, um, I had a desire to do what was right, but I was just, I knew I was kind of hopeless. Mm. That seems to be a theme, hopelessness. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this yeah. in the past. Um, so as far as your journey goes, how old were you at at the time where you started to realize that there was, that this, this lifestyle seemed pretty hopeless to you? I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went to a private school called Alta Academy where um, coincidentally uh, my uncle Warren Jeffs was the principal. And in eighth grade, I started becoming just a little bit rebellious, um, kind of mouthy. Mm-hmm. And um, can't imagine. <laughs> And I just knew um, at that time that there was something that just wasn't quite right. Mm -hmm. Um, And under certain circumstances, I actually ended up getting kicked out, which was devastating because I loved, you know, that arena, being able to be with people. And um, I really, that was kind of like my getaway. I really, really liked just being able to learn and to know and to, Mm -hmm. you know, find out new things. That was so exciting for me, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and being in that kind of a school, obviously all of the, you know, books and the curriculum was only that which um, the priesthood allowed, Mm -hmm. but um, I, I loved, I loved being able to just learn. Mm -hmm. You're Um, still a learner. I love it. (laughs) And now, um, what was the attitude about the outside world within um, the FLDS? What were you taught about the, the people who were not members? So we were taught that people out here um, just didn't have 
the truth, that uh, you know, God hadn't given them a heart to receive the truth, and that the only people that had the truth were those that were inside the FLDS religion, that um, my grandfather, Roland Jeffs, was God's mouthpiece, and it was only through him that you know, we had the truth. And so um, I was taught that although people try to be good, that they cannot be good, that um, people out here were cruel and mean and um, just pure evil. Um, it was really, it was kind of scary. I mean, I was always, um, you know, excited to kind of learn about the outside world, but it really was scary. Mm -hmm. And so, so what was your introduction to the outside world? Can you kind of expound on that part of your story? Well, I actually, after getting kicked out in eighth grade, I had made kind of a, a pact, like a vow that, um, and it's not something I'm proud of, um, but I kind of made a pact that I was going to make my parents' life a living hell. Um, you know, the and, kind of pact we as parents hope our children never make. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry to my parents. Um, <laughs> But I, I was so devastated at the time um, because of the situation that really was not my fault. It, there was no fault of my own, but I was asked to stay away from school. And I um, really started using that time as rebellion. I mm. um, started going sneaking off and, and I started dating, which is absolutely um, a no-go. You cannot date. You're not even supposed to talk to the opposite sex. Um, you know, and marriage is always by arrangement, but I started sneaking out and dating and I discovered at 15 years old, I was pregnant, hmm. which was not a good thing because I was, um, the granddaughter of the prophet. And, um, that was something that I knew was going to shame my mom and my dad. And I was so, um, scared and embarrassed and afraid to humiliate them. I actually packed my clothes and decided I was gonna um, head out. And at about that time, that was when my um, oldest sister decided to rat me out and let him know that I was, I was gonna pack up and leave. Um, and at that point, um, it was confessed to my grandfather, to the prophet, what I had done, and that was when they had made the decision that I was going to repent and get rebaptized, and then um, that I would ultimately be placed with a man who could exalt me and become, um, you know, to be able to go and attain the celestial kingdom. Now, is this a man that you had a relationship with? Did you know who this was? No, um, actually, as part of my story, um, I ended up giving birth um, to my healthy, beautiful baby boy um, at 15 years old. And my, um, it, was, it was actually a very traumatic time. And that was actually, that kind of ties into my story because I, I remember um, being, you know, I, I ended up delivering at my grandfather's house um, by one of my grandmothers. And um, it was such a traumatic birth that I um, nearly hemorrhaged to death and actually ended up having to go to the emergency room. Oh um, and it was actually, that was actually one of the pivotal times in my life where I just thought, 
you know, as I'm laying there and I'm looking down and I'm seeing um, blood all over the floor, I remember thinking, I'm going to die and I am not in a place where I can. Mm. But I just remember that sinking feeling that um, this was it, that this was it. And um, that was very, very traumatizing for me. Mm -hmm. But um, there was also kind of a sense that I thought, well, this was, you know, I can't do anything more. Right. So there's um, a lot of fear involved. So much fear. And I was so hopeless at that time. Yeah. Um, and like I had mentioned, you know, my mom and dad did the best they could. Um, but in this situation, and because of my rebellion, mm -hmm. I had caused so much grief mm -hmm. and so much, you know, turmoil in my family. I was so humiliated and I was so embarrassed of what I had done that it just. Um, it was a turning point for me where I thought, this is it. And is this about the time that you were, you were promised to marry this man? So um, <clears throat> when everything was confessed, that was my directive, is that I was supposed to repent and get rebaptized and, and to wait until um, I was to be placed. Um, when my son turned, he was about seven and a half months old, I ended up getting a phone call from my dad my dad said, hey, sis, um, the prophet has somebody for you. And he was so excited. He was just, um, you know, at that time wanting the very best for his daughter. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, I just, I just said, I can't do it. I, you know, and to be completely honest, I don't even remember what I had told him. All I can remember thinking is I've got to leave. I've got to get out. And it was at that time I had my, my baby in, in his car seat. And I just remember starting to like throw clothes into um, mm. bins and baskets. I just knew I had to leave. And, you know, I called, um, I actually ended up calling my baby daddy, Enoch. I said, hey, um, I was told that I will be married to another by this time tomorrow. Come and get me. How old was that man so, that they had you scheduled to marry? Um, my dad actually never, ever told me who it was. I suspect, I know who it was. Um, he was about 53 years old. And I was you, 16. Amazing. 16. So then what happened? So, um, my then boyfriend drove over and, um, there was quite a bit of, of turmoil that happened in our home with my baby being taken away and, and um, I was told, if you're going to go to hell, you can go to hell, but you're not taking this baby with you. And I was, I was devastated, obviously. But at that moment, all I could think about was just leaving. Um, and my dad actually ended up coming home because he was, you know, he had delivered the good news to me over the phone. And he ended up coming home and was able to have a rational, good conversation with both Enoch and I, um, where he just said, sis, you have your free agency and you know right from wrong. Mm. And you, you know, you know, that you have a choice and, you know, you make this choice. It can, this is eternity for you, sis. You know, and it was at that time where I just thought, I don't care. I, I know that I can't ever be good enough. I'm done. And he was so kind and respectful and polite and just said, you have your free agency. Mm. You have your free agency. Go ahead. 
you know, but he looked right at Enoch and he said, if you're going to take my daughter, you're taking her legally. So we kind of had a shotgun wedding that oh, day. Oh, uh-huh. Then what happened? Um, we ended up, I'm going to kind of fast forward this story a little bit. We um, continued to attempt to, to do the right things mm-hmm. and we tried to get back in. Um, I always, always wanted to, to do what, what I knew to be true. Mm-hmm. And um, we had tried, we had failed. I was, you know, at that time, all I had was my family, mm-hmm. but I knew I had caused such shame to my parents and I just I had to live with that so we ended up having three more babies yay yes so we have four boys and I at that point I started kind of experimenting with alcohol Mm. and um, was quite depressed there was a lot of trauma that I hadn't dealt with and there was really nobody to talk to there was nobody to help there was nobody that um could say, hey, you know, I know this is kind of what's going on in your life. Like, here's how to work through it. There really was none of that. So in the FLDS, if you are not worthy enough, I say that in air quotes, if you're not worthy enough, you're kind of shunned, right? Um, it's even more difficult than that. It's not just shunned. Um, you are considered worse than a murderer, Oh. Um, so there would actually be hope for murderers, but there is no such hope for those who turn away from the prophet. Um, mm. And, you know, having the weight of that was very, it's so, um, it's just so much, there's so much weight, there's so much heaviness that you feel like I can't do this. And then you try to do all the right things. And then there's no way to really ever earn or to get to because of all of the bad things, all of the sin Mm-hmm. You know, so there, so there's no hope for any kind of reconciliation necessarily. So in the middle of that, um, you said you turned to alcohol, and and fast forward your story a little bit, and and then what happened? So um, get to the, the good part. Uh, Two thousand two, <laughs> um, they made a call for everybody to move down to Colorado City. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at that point that um, because of the the turmoil in our marriage. I had made a decision to terminate the marriage. Um, There was a lot of devastation and hurt. um, And we, you know, at that point we had just, it was like, this is it. This Mm -hmm. is, it's not going anywhere. So I terminated the marriage. Um, My family all moved down to Colorado City and I was literally up here with um, four boys. Was in the Salt Lake Valley. Right up here, mm-hmm. yeah. Four boys. I was a single mom with an eighth grade education and really um, learned to love alcohol because that was mm-hmm. such a, a numbing, you know, thing for me. Mm-hmm. It was, there was just no hope. I had, I had already messed up every single chance I had and I lost my family in the process. I lost... Um, my marriage, you know, because of sin. And there was such a hopelessness mm-hmm. that I, there were nights where I felt like I could not even breathe. Um, and I knew I had caused my family so much grief and so much shame that that part um, was so, that was too much for me to bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, at the time, I um, genuinely wanted to do the right thing. So, 
I had made a decision that I was going to, um, at one point, um, sorry, this, it's emotional, that I was going to end my life, mm. that my kids would be better off without me. Mm. And um, I didn't want to drag them to hell. I desperately wanted them to have a good life, but I knew I couldn't give that. So I thought, I can't just turn them over um, to the priesthood. So I, um, I attempted suicide and failed, ended up getting too drunk. Um, it was then in my life when I made a decision that I was going to go back to the FLDS religion and do whatever they told me to do. I was willing to marry whoever they wanted me to marry, um, and I was going to leave. Like, that was it. So I made a plan, um, you know, and this sounds so terrible. So um, I made a plan that I was going to drain my um, ex-husband's bank account, and I was going to take the kids and head down there and basically just show up on my father's doorstep and say, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I, I can't do this anymore. And it was in that time frame when I was trying to kind of gather my dolls and my dishes that I ended up meeting somebody who um, became a very dear friend. But seeing this person, I was completely stunned because we were always taught that people out here were cruel and mean and, and evil and awful. And in walks this lady who is just beaming with joy and happy. Mm -hmm. It was a breath of fresh air. And I just kept thinking, whatever it is she's on, I want it. Like, yeah. I need to get to know her. And she, you know, came right over to me, actually. She came, I was at, at a Costco, and she came over and um, was actually going to try to contact me for a business, and we started hanging out. So um, so this is your first non-FLDS contact? Yes. Your first friend? Yes, out, out, out here. Out here yeah. in, the, in the real world. Um, and I was just amazed. Like, I just thought if I could get to know her, uh -huh. I can find out what she's doing and I can do what she's doing. She's mm -hmm. like super on something, like Amazing. crazy happy. Mm -hmm. And one night we were hanging out and just kind of chatting about, she's like, you know, tell me, tell me a little bit about this. Like, what's going on with this, like really long hair and what's going on, like, with, with your life? What, tell me about that. And I just started opening up to her and I just shared with her how, um, you know, just my belief system. And, and she was just, she was, she was kind of, she was so puzzled by why I would still choose to believe what I was believing. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember talking to her and she just said, girl, you totally like are totally beating yourself up for stupid stuff from like way in the past. Why are you doing this? What's going on, girl? And I just remember telling her that I could not be forgiven, that there was no hope. And that was when she shared the gospel with me. She shared Jesus with me. So hope entered the picture at yes. that point. Yes. That was the point. Yes. And I was so hungry for whatever it was she had. And I just said, you got to tell me. So for those who've never heard, um, what is the gospel? We hear a lot in Utah, especially, we hear this word gospel. What? What is the gospel? What did she share with you that was transformative for your life? So I was always taught that, that the gospel was, you know, Jesus came down. Jesus is Satan's brother. So apparently, you know, he's our brother as well. Mm -hmm. And through 
Jesus, through Joseph Smith, through the current prophet, we could attain salvation. So it, would, it was just contingent on me doing enough to um, honor, love, and respect my priesthood head, who then did the same for the prophet, the current prophet, who then went through a channel of Joseph Smith through Jesus. And that was ultimately how we earned salvation, is if we followed the prophet you know, wholeheartedly, that we would surrender and live our lives you know, to follow that truth. And basically live perfect. Completely perfect. So that doesn't sound like good news to me. No. So no. what was it this woman shared with you? She just told me, you know, the gospel. She shared that Jesus paid the price for every one of my sins, past, present, and future, and that he died on the cross, that he chose that for me. And when she was telling me, like, I you know, genuinely, I desperately wanted to believe what she was saying, but there was something just gnawing in the back of my head that I was too much of a screw up, mm -hmm. that I had done way too many things and that she didn't know all of the sins and all of the bad things I had done. Um, and, you know, when she was just sharing, girl, do you think, you know, that what you've done is outside of God? Like, think of God, think of like the creator of heaven and earth. You know, can you imagine like doing something that would totally just like make it so that he would never, ever want to be around you? And I just remember thinking, yes, I have. You have no idea. <laughs> I've been so bad. Mm -hmm. um, but when she shared this, I genuinely wanted to believe and I wanted, I had that hope. There was like a glimmer of hope of like, maybe what she's saying is true. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, fast forward a little bit, um, really hanging out with her and spending time. She invited me to church scared me to death. Um, but I ended up in a Christian church. Um, I was mortified to say the least because there was drums and people playing live and there was no organ and there was no hymn books. There was really just um, people that were just passionate about God and walking into the you know church doors and there's people just like I would, I was so scared. I was so shy, but these people were like coming over and embracing me and hugging me. And, and I could not understand why these people were so happy. Mm -hmm. I, it was beyond a breath of fresh air. I was just so, I'm like, I have to have this, like everybody's so happy. And um, I ended up listening to a message that night um, coincidentally was a, a traveling, you know, preacher mm -hmm. um, and walking into the church doors that night, I remember having this, you know, this thought, um, you know, before that I had, you know, asked her, how, how do I become a Christian? Mm -hmm. And she just wrote down on this little napkin, the sinner's prayer. It was just, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm inviting you into my heart. And, you know, when I said that prayer, nothing magical happened. So I thought, well, of course, it's because I'm such a putz. Mm -hmm. I'm such a screw up. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, I ended up at this church and this pastor was sharing the gospel. And it was exactly what she was saying. And I remember thinking, how in the world could these two people be sharing the same exact thing? Mm -hmm. And I so desperately want this to be true. I so desperately want this hope. I want to be you know, set free. Mm -hmm. And um, as I'm sitting in the chair, he's um, continuing to just pray and saying, you know, I'm encouraging you that if you want to experience God's love, you know, come forward and let us pray for you. And mm -hmm. I just remember thinking, oh, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to be 
heading up there. Mm-hmm. Before I know it, um, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, saying, okay, God, I, you know, I desperately need to know that this is you. And um, the preacher started saying, I am really, really feeling that there's somebody out here who um, is stuck in sin mm-hmm. and you need to know that you are loved. You need to know that you are forgiven. You need to know who you are, that you are a child of the Most High King. And in a split second, I was walking forward and um, I didn't even realize it. And, you know, I was being prayed for. Wow. And I experienced the most beautiful love, peace, and hope that came over me that night that I can never deny, that I can never deny. So uh, we Christians call that being born again. So yeah. at, that, at that moment, you were born again. So then, then you lived happily ever after, right? No. Uh, no? <laughs> no, no, no. See, and that's the thing. <clears throat> I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, having experienced that lavished love, mm-hmm. you know, from God, I thought, I mean, it was... Honestly, it was a high. There was this hope that I had never experienced before. There was this joy. There was this peace. And I was excited. I Mm -hmm. was ecstatic. You know, but at the time, still nothing had changed. I was still a Mm -hmm. single mama with four boys. Mm -hmm. And um, knowing that I had created some pretty damaging effects in the relationships in my life. Well, and not to mention, you had been raised under a foundation of a lot of lies and a lot of beliefs that you you had to earn your salvation, that you were the one that was responsible to be good enough, that you had to be worthy, that, you know, uh, that, that there was this prophet that was above everyone else on the earth and that whatever he said was the way that it was, rather than fixing your eyes on Jesus, who the Bible says is the author and the perfecter of your faith. So what were some of the, what, what is some of the process of you beginning to get set free from those chains, those chains of religion, those chains of rules and law and legalism and all of the things that are so contrary to freedom in Christ? You know, it really started with getting, you know, plugged in. I um, I know you had mentioned the first time I had met you, and I was so desperate to, um, I wanted to learn more, and I wanted to know more about this God who was so forgiving and so loving um, that I really craved, that I craved relationship, you know, with people who could continue to just share that hope and that love with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, I believe, like, getting... Um, in in his word, Mm -hmm. you know, his word is so powerful. And I do, I remember like sitting there thinking, okay, God, I know you're real. Like I know Mm -hmm. you are, you are with me. Mm -hmm. And, and I just wanted to know more. And I just remember like praying, okay, you know, God speak to me, you know, Mm -hmm. show me, show me who you are, show me more of you. And getting in his word was honestly, um, the best thing that could have happened because mm-hmm. I started learning about who he was, mm-hmm. um, learning about his grace and his love. And I remember reading even the story, um, you know, of the woman that um, was caught in adultery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it says in the scripture that, 
you know, he who has been forgiven much loves much. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that is exactly who I am. Mm-hmm. I am completely trapped and stuck, but God, you forgave me that you are good. And that was just, there was, there's just nothing better mm-hmm. than getting to know him in his word. So Jenny, what is your, um, you know, I've been watching a lot of Netflix lately um, and a lot of, uh, there's a lot of documentaries on cults. I've watched about the Rajneeshis and I've watched about the Hasidic Jews and I've watched now, now we're watching Waco and David Koresh. And what do you think um, is the main thing that you would want to say to somebody who is caught in a religious system where they started to feel the same things that you were feeling like, this can't be right. There's got to be something more because I can guarantee there is something more. So, so what, what would you want to say to somebody who is questioning maybe a system that, that is very driven by rules, very driven by other people telling you, you need to live like this and very um, external and religious what would, what would your desire be to say to that person? Honestly, I would just say that, um, that God loves you, that you are born and chosen for such a time as this, and that there's hope, you know, that it is not about religious leaders. It's not about earning approval of man. It's not about doing certain things and you can't pay enough and you can't wear certain clothes enough and Mm -hmm. you can't do all of the things that you are expected to do by man because man did not pay the price for your soul. It was Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know? And and I think one of the things that really um, was exciting for me was learning that Jesus paid it all and there was nothing more I could do. That frees me up to be able to say, okay, God, you've got me. How can I go and serve mm-hmm. others? How can mm-hmm. I go and, and you know, share this same good mm-hmm. news with others? Mm-hmm. Because my soul is covered under the blood, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what's so exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's so exciting. It just reminds me of the scripture in Galatians 5, verse 1. It says, so truly Christ has set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get caught up again in slavery to the law. And, it, and the Bible says that it is for freedom that Christ set us free. And, and, and he longs for us to experience that freedom and that we only do these works not to be saved, but as a response to the sacrifice that Jesus offered us on the cross. And I just... Um, I just think of this scripture whenever I think about your story. I think 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. And I just want to say to you, if you are a person um, and you have any questions about Jenny's story or about what we are talking about when we're talking about the gospel, please contact us. You can, you can email us at connect at theadventure.church. Um, you can put comments in the comment section here and someone will reach out to you. Um, we're going to have a, a Zoom call 
at one o'clock this afternoon. Um, you can come and find out anything, any questions that you have, anything that you want to know about the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're a newcomer, if you're somebody who's just joined us, or if you just have questions, please come and join us. You can go to our website at theadventure.church, and we just want you to know that we absolutely care about you and we want to see you walk in the freedom that Jesus has offered to see a person like Jenny who came out of this religious system to be to be set free and to be living for Christ and for Christ alone. And so right now I just want to pray and then we're going to just wrap it up. Um, we want to just thank you for joining us this morning. I know you have a lot of options um, to to watch other services online, but I'm so glad that you chose to stay with us here. So let's just pray together. Well, Father God, I thank you for this amazing story of your grace and your hope. Lord, and I thank you that you delivered Jenny and her whole family. Lord, I thank you for just all the details, Lord, even the ones that we weren't able to share today, God, of, of just your faithfulness to her and to her family. And I just ask, Lord, for those who are stuck in religion, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that the scales would fall from their eyes, Lord, that they would see Jesus, that you paid the price, Lord, that you went to the cross and you paid the penalty, that you shed your own blood so that we could be set free. And Lord, we thank you that we cannot save ourselves. Lord, we need a savior. And we just ask God that you would move in the hearts of those who need to hear this good news. Those who are hopeless, Lord, that they would be filled with hope, knowing that you are a God of goodness, you are a God of love, and you are a God of faithfulness. And we just thank you and we praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Jenny, for sharing your story. And I am so grateful that God is such a good God. We hope to see you this Wednesday for our prayer at 7 o'clock and next Sunday at 11 again for our live stream. God bless you.